you know, it's all hard. I, I say this, you know, all the time, um, but it's all good. And whatever challenges, and it does present many challenges, but whatever challenges it presents, Oklahoma, it presents the same thing for everybody else in college football. And uh, so I, I, I love a challenge. Um, I'm a competitive uh, person by nature. And we're all, um, for the most part, you know, some people would probably beg to differ, but we play by the same rules. And, uh, and, and in some ways right now, there are no rules. Um, and I, I say that tongue in cheek, but for, for the next month, it's kind of like Christmas every day. Uh, it really is. I say that uh, there's a lot of work that goes into it, uh, as Coach Fish can uh, attest to as well. And, uh, but we, it's a little less work than we had a year ago at this time. Uh, not much. We'll probably end up signing, give or take, around 35 to 37 you know, new scholarship players a year ago. We signed uh, 42 scholarship players we brought in uh, in January. So close to a, another transformation, similar, um, uh, quite a quite a bit less when it comes to the transfer portal. Uh, we'll look to, you know, uh, sign give or take around 27 high school players. Yeah, slowly trimming the numbers back a little bit. What he said, he said 37, 38, so that's four or five less perhaps than a year ago. 35 to 37 this year, 42 last year scholarship okay. players, yeah. So 35, so yeah. Um, and, and who knows if there's maybe some late portal additions uh, the second time around that maybe they didn't expect, but I mean, that's still going to be uh, a huge chunk of your roster that is totally new. Yep. I mean, that that's the yep. new reality of college football for the most part. I mean, there's a very small handful of teams that you know, aren't aren't going to be nearly as active in the portal, but everyone is. I mean, Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, even those schools are going to be active. If they can get better uh, at a roster spot, at a position group, they're going to do it. Now, it may be a smaller group of guys, but it's still going to happen to some degree. And then, obviously, everyone's bringing in high school freshmen every year, so that's – there's it's – never going to be where you don't have a bunch of new guys. I mean, I know we've got a big class this year. We've got one of the biggest classes out there. But, you know, 20 to 25, give or take, is is pretty common. So, yeah, I mean, that's the new reality. It's just a little bit more than it used to be, 10 or 12 guys perhaps more than it used to be. But and, and for the time being, until maybe we get – some more guidance on what what this subdivision situation may look like that's you just gotta you can't get angry about it you just gotta try and get good at it he said 27 new high school players he did say give or take before but like 27 is a pretty specific number when when he said that you know so it had me thinking okay you did say give or take but 27 is a pretty specific number especially when you have 26 scholarship players committed right now now if you go on rivals or 24 7 you might see a 27 but they're counting Andy Bass on that he's not technically a scholarship player so they've got 26 and they've got Eddie Pierre-Louis the number 28 overall player committing a week from today and they're not letting up on 
Dominic McKinley, who I think is in the um, – I think he's like the number 55, 56 overall player, according yeah. to rivals, a defensive tackle out of Louisiana. So I'm just – I don't know, probably looking way too into that, but I found it interesting that the current scholarship players' numbers that they're at, like, huh, Brent thinks they're going to get at least one, maybe two more? Okay. If they yeah. get two more commits this cycle, then, yeah, you're going to be real excited on signing day. Yeah. And I guess I saw somehow some of that stuff ended up in my timeline. A bunch of the D linemen and stuff from this year's class are kind of yep uh, all over uh, the power the line. Kid, Don right? McKinley, yeah, they're tweeting at him. Nigel Smith was one of those. It was um, it's like Todd Bates said. All right, guys, I need your help. One final push here. I know he's committed to Texas A and M, but A and M's got portal entries left and right. They have some decommits here and there. I think they had another decommit again today so it's let's we got 12 days until the early signing period let's make one final push before we get there yeah what so are we hearing anything or is there any news on the mckinley kid is there any news on i mean i I don't think that there's any news i'm just kind of reading between the lines here if bates is going to go down there this weekend and and there's a lot going on in terms of roster building for next year like they're a player in the transfer portal like, there, there are yeah. other things or other people, players, whatever, that Todd Bates could be seeing. I mean, not not only in the portal, but for the 25 class and beyond, right? I just yeah. – and, and this is just me reading between the lines. I don't think that you make a trip to Louisiana unless you think there's at least a chance, just a chance that you can flip him from Texas A&M. In no way would right. I say that that's likely or absolutely what's going to happen, but – there's a lot going on right now for this roster in the future. I don't think that you're making that trip unless you think there's a chance it could something could happen. Right. Yeah. No, that, that's uh, – I mean, does that somewhat sound logic at this point in yeah. the calendar year? Yeah. I, I, it, it would not be – I wouldn't imagine it would be something that they would waste a bunch of – resources on because those resources are precious it's it's time it's money it's expensive so if you didn't have a chance i don't think that they would be messing around with it but you know what do i know i i have no idea and who knows if they've gotten any type of indication that he's open to to hearing a little more dialogue right now i you know i I have no idea how that's rolling um, just some certain positions and some certain players that they've offered targeting in the portal. Um, they're going to get a running back, man. Like, that much is – that's not a surprise, but they've already offered a couple of running backs. We talked about the Tennessee Martin running back earlier this week, Sam Franklin, mm-hmm. 1,378 rushing yards this year, uh, 11 touchdowns, pretty good year. And now we're finding out about Mario Anderson Jr., a running back out of South Carolina. So they're, they're okay. aggressive. They're, they're going to get a running back. Yeah, any is you feel any certain way about either one of those guys? Not, I haven't not really I haven't seen honestly. Much. Yeah. Um well, and it's just tough to it, say like those are great numbers at a school like Tennessee Martin, but how do you project to what that will look like next year in the SEC? I mean, really what you're I mean, they just got to go off feel and the in the tape that they're watching, like who who they prefer, who they like the best. It's hard. I mean, clearly a South Carolina running back, like maybe you can you got much more of an idea of how effective that would be in the SEC. But I I just take it as yes, 
they may only take one, but you're you're gonna see you're gonna see a running back in the portal sign with right. OU. Yeah. Well, um, what was the kid's name from Tennessee Martin? Uh, Sam Franklin is his name. Sam Franklin. And you said he ran for thirteen hundred yards? Thirteen hundred and seventy eight yards, eleven touchdowns Ooh. this past season. That's pretty impressive stuff. Chris McClellan's in the portal. He's been offered from OU. Uh, he was at Florida this past year. Uh, Owasso is where he went to high school. Uh, a corner from San Diego State, Des Malone. I, I know that these are just such random names thrown at you here. But defensive line, they're going to take bodies. Offensive line, they've already taken one body. They're not done there yet. Running back, yes. Wide receiver, it feels like if they find someone who's a can't miss, they will. But... If not, they yeah. may be okay there. Tied in, Jalen Conyers is who we're talking about the most out of Arizona State. Yeah. Did he play much this year? Uh, yeah, you know? he, yeah, he did. We, uh, we were looking at some of his numbers uh, yesterday, actually, Jalen Conyers. Okay. Well, that's good. I, mean, I know he's a athletic player, man. He can, he can go. Good-looking uh, good frame on him, really athletic. Don't know a whole lot about how he is as a, a route runner and a blocker and all of the other different things, but I know he looks good in a uniform, and a lot of times that's... 6'4", you know, 270, yeah, 422 yeah. receiving yards this year, most by an ASU tight end is since 2013. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. And 228 good. of those came in the final six games of the season. Fourth most of all FBS tight ends from week seven on. You want to look at it that way. That's some specific well, stats here on uh, yeah. thesundevils.com. I can I can dig this. They're breaking down his entire season. He forced like twenty one. He, he look at this. Jalen Conyers forced twenty one missed tackles on the year, the most of any FBS tight end. Eighteen of those came in the final six games. So he uh, he had a really nice finish back into the season this year. Jalen Conyers. Yeah. How about that? Impressive stuff from uh, from Connors. You got to feel like he's got a little bit of a, you know, there's a little bit of familiarity around here for him. So yeah, he's here for a year uh, back in yeah. 2020. I mean, he, he registered yeah. in that year. I know it's different staff and all of that stuff, but still, um, not bad that he's at least familiar with the place. Hopefully, that's a that's a good thing for you in when it comes to that. In terms of just nationally, what's happened in the portal today? Uh, maybe the most recognizable name, at least around here, Isaiah Nayer, wide receiver out of Texas. He transferred from Wyoming going into the 2022 season. I believe it was a torn ACL, the injury that he had. Didn't play last year because they thought he was going to be a big deal for their offense in 22. They were excited about him. Had that injury before the year, and it just never never happened for him. A.D. Mitchell came in was a star this year. Xavier Worthy got a ton of targets. Yeah. Um, of course, they're tied in as well, J.T. Sanders. So, Isaiah Nayer, maybe the most recognizable name today that's uh, that's in the portal. Wow. Well, yeah. I I don't know. I hope uh, I hope we land one of those one of those backs um, that has done some good stuff. I. Uh, like I said, don't know a whole lot about him, but we need we need athleticism, we need some size, and we need some like aggression and some spark at the running back position. It just felt like we, it, man. I know we've talked about it a bunch, but 
And it just kind of it felt like we were feeling our way around a little bit this year at running back. We all saw of, it early in the year for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it wasn't necessarily knockback tackles that were bringing those guys down. It was no. just unless it was a wide open running lane, which good luck finding a ton of those. I mean, they had a hard enough time finding those this year. Good luck next year finding a ton of those. It right. was just like a simple ankle tackle a lot of times, not much contact to get the running backs down. It looked like the vision was off, the aggression, like you said. They just weren't they weren't really aggressive there, and they were really – OU's running backs were really easy to tackle the first half of the year. Tawie yep. Walker did some nice things from time to time, but it wasn't really until the back half of the year when Sawchuck emerged when we started seeing a lot of broken tackles. Right. Yeah, um, you know, we, we would we would see Tawi like run through some guys, and usually resulted in falling forward for some stuff, um, but just didn't see a whole lot of uh, like breakaway stuff. So, man, I don't know. You know, I'm looking at the Franklin kid from UT Martin, five ten, one ninety five. Um, you got some Had film. A, you got some film on him in front of you. All well, twenty-two. I'm, I'm just looking at uh, some of his his rushing stats, and he had a he had a seventy yarder. He had a sixty-one yarder. Had some nice long long games there. Um, you know, and that's and I know it's a different level of football. I'm, I'm not arguing that it's not, but I mean, it, at least he does show that he's got some breakaway potential. 81-yarder, 74-yarder. So, you got some nice long runs on the year. Uh, This is just fantastic. I mentioned the 21 broken tackles by Jalen Conyers. Texter from the 402 says, dang, 21 missed tackles? He must have played against USC. Ooh. (laughs) That was 21. That was on one play, one catch against uh, (laughs) USC. They had uh, some defenders had uh, two chances to tackle him. Still weren't able to do it. Old school Tecmo Bowl whenever you'd zigzag yeah. up and down the field to go get a touchdown is what it looked yep. like. Drew from Flower Mound says Jalen Conyers visiting Tech this week. Camo Sooner says sounds like Conyers has a little wiggle in him. He's got some wiggle, <laughs> Conyers. Uh, what number is he? Six. Yeah. We like six. Fifteen. He's, he's got some wiggle if they give him the, give him the ball. <laughs> Actually, he's 12. Sorry. 12's got some wiggle out there. Didn't a walk-on lead the SEC in rushing, says the texture in the 318. Yeah, Missouri. Yes. Uh, he stole the Burlesworth trophy mm-hmm. away from Drake Stoops, Cody Schrader. Yep. Yep, that's right. 615, that's right. we really need to pony up for this Pooh Paul kid. What's the latest on that? He's going to Ole Miss this weekend, and um, an Arkansas insider initially logged a prediction for Ole Miss to land Pooh Paul. Well, there you go. So if you can uh, you connect the dots there. 405, disagree. 29 was better than we give credit. Yeah, I probably should have given um, Tawi a little bit more credit for the tackles that he broke this year. Yeah. Uh, um, for sure. But back half of the year, like he did a nice job. Back half of the year, though, is when you really started to see running backs. Him, He, he included really start to run through some, some trash there. Yeah. Yeah, you know, here's the thing. I, I really like Tawi. I think he is an awesome college running back, but I don't think he's a feature back. I, I think he would 
like last year with Eric Gray, he would have been the perfect changeup back for Eric Gray where you've got some physicality, come in, close the game out late, second half. Uh, you know, you spend, you spend a big portion of the game worried about the open field moves of Eric Gray, and, you know, you're worn down, you're tired, tempo offense been going up and down the field, and then four-minute offense or second-half offense, they bring in the thumper that is incredibly difficult to tackle physically. I mean, that's it's a nice little change up there. I just – and I don't – I have nothing to say negative about Tawi. I think he's great in protection. I think he's physical as hell, which is what I really like. I just don't think uh, he's a – especially for our system, I don't think he's a, a featured back, you know. Agree. Change up back. Agree. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hour number two rolls on. Sooner Football Talk lives here. This is The Ref. There are trucks. Then there's the truck. GMC Sierra with available features like the V8 engine, the ultimate. Football Friday on the rush. Yeah, there's still football tomorrow. Army, Navy. It's a football Friday right here on the ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman, and it's time for our Under the Radar segment. Brought to you by Boyd Street Ventures. Boyd Street Ventures is a venture capital firm that provides funding and guidance for promising under-the-radar Sooner startups. Learn how you can help support OU innovation at BoydStreetVentures.com. Text line, get ready. 405-651-3439. Today we'll do our, uh, how about under-the-radar players from the regular season? Maybe someone who, or some ones, who had really good seasons, but maybe a little bit under-the-radar Someone in front of them, a starter at their position, had a season that we talk about more. Who do you guys think under the radar regular season? 405-651-3439. And while those uh, submissions are rolling in, I'll go to an under-the-radar story because I didn't see it until yesterday, but I guess this happened uh, way back in October. And if you haven't seen this, and if you're on social media, if you're on Twitter, at KREF Sports is where you can find it or the Ref Sports Radio Network on Facebook. It's posted there. But how about the re- like the awesome video of the Eagles letting Lane Johnson know mm-hmm. that he's been nominated for the Walter Payton Man of the, uh, of the Year Award in the NFL? Let him know in a team meeting. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, I saw the video that they posted of that. Um, awesome. Caught him by surprise, and... That's a that's a big deal now. That's a that's a really prestigious award, and I I know he's got all kinds of accolades, All Pro, Super Bowl, I don't know, million Pro Bowls, uh, but a Man of the Year is that's awesome. Yeah, that, that's the guy recognized for on and off the field stuff. Really incredible. Well, and and Jason Kelsey, if you haven't seen it, um, he talks about it. He gets up in front of the team and he he talks about Lane Johnson's journey since he's gotten to the NFL, some of the ups and downs that he's had, and we remember some of the downs that he's had. I mean, it, didn't he? He got popped for for steroids mm-hmm. at one point in his career. It's kind of what Jason Kelsey is saying is the point that he's at now in his life and and what he's doing and how he's playing and how much he 
you know, gives and serves and it's all behind the scenes. Like, yeah, cool. That Lane Johnson might win the uh, Walter Payton Man of the Year award. That's awesome. But it sounds like he's in a really, really good place. And over a lot of the things that maybe happened with his career, you know, three, four years ago. So just, yeah, yeah. Ha- happy for that guy. Things are going no, well for I him. agree. And least shocking thing of the year is that one of the Kelsey brothers <laughs> had to get up there and, uh, you know, uh, have their share. Just, I'm just I kidding. Do, I do kinda. like him a lot better than I like <laughs> Travis, though. Jason yes. seems like he's, you know, not always star for attention, and he's, he's a pretty good dude. No, nah, he is. I'm just joking. Just joking. Uh, Ted, a text that's, to get to. That's awesome of Lane Johnson, man. He's a credible player. Okay, KW in the 918. Under the radar for me was how well Justin Harrington was playing before he got hurt. Was such a great story. Hate that he got hurt. That's, that's the first one off the top, and that's a great one. It really sucks. That's the way the season ended, and I hope that he's back next year. But a lot of people wrote Justin Harrington off because we had heard it before mm-hmm. in the offseason, right? But he was a starter, yeah. and he was really good when he was out there. That's that's a really good submission there, K-Dub. No, I agree with that. I don't know what the what the status is on that with him, if he's getting another year. If he does get another year, is he going to spend it at Oklahoma? I just I don't know. I don't know what what's going on with that. Um, yeah, I, I agree. That's a very nice pick. Uh, okay, for the 405, punter Luke Elzinga. Punting went from an issue to something dependable. There's some, yeah. There's some facts That's there. true. He did. Yep, still, he the best, really nice balls. still the best punt of the year was Dylan Gabriel's inside the five-yard line. But, yeah, I can get and down with that. He did throw a beautiful little fade <laughs> to downs. I know, I know. It, it got called back for uh, a horrendous offensive pass interference call, but – uh, yeah, I like that one. Nice I like uh, when you guys were asking Downs about that on Monday at the uh, Rudy mm-hmm. show about it, and they were running it in practice, and what did they tell him? If you ever drop it one time, we're never running it in the game. Yeah. So there was no pressure yeah. once once the game got there. It's like, huh, yeah. the pressure's all behind me now. No big deal. Yep. That's awesome. 918 RSJ really came on late in the season under the radar player. Yeah. There's a lot of truth to that. I, uh, he's one of the young players on the team that I'm really, really excited about. Um, he is physical. He plays fast. He tackles well. He's got some attitude to him. I like him a lot. 817 says Woody Washington. I don't think he had a pick this year, but that doesn't mean he didn't have a, a really good season. Yeah. Because he did. Empire Wills, he did. Empire Wills says Caden Green. Uh, I don't know how much – he played so well, I don't know how under the radar it was towards the end of the season. Yeah, amazing submission. I don't know if it qualifies for under the radar, however. But, yes, I would agree with that 100%. Here's another really good one from the 214. Kendall Dolby is my under the radar player of the year. Definitely yeah. a guy that's under the radar because others at his position were talked about more. But he – I don't know, quietly, but he really – he had a nice year, consistent well, year. Well, remember that, you know, Harrington was the cheetah, and when Harrington went down, it basically turned into a a split-duty cheetah position, like more of a traditional Sam and Nickel between uh, Desan McCullough and Kendall Dolby. You know, um, Dolby would go out there in some of the passing personnel groupings, and McCullough would go out there if you had, you know, multiple tight ends uh, on the field, more of a – 
a rundown situation. So, I mean, I would I would put both of those guys in there. I know, I know Desan didn't just get a ton of reps because of the way they ro- rotated that spot, but thought he was still a good, effective player. I haven't read uh, one text, like, or I haven't even seen one text that has a different player mentioned. So I, I feel like that's a, a good thing if we can list this this many under the radar players. I here's a Kobe McKenzie from Mark and Enid, um, yeah. and maybe you don't agree with every one, but Rain in the nine one eights. Here's yeah. a, here's an Andrew Anthony. So just to look ahead the next year, there's a lot of young players that got some big snaps this year. Big snaps this year. Big moments. Just the overall snap count was was pretty high. Yeah. And all of most of those guys really did nice things with those situations. I got a couple for you. Uh, if you'd like them, or we can keep we can stay on the text line no, a little longer. Let's go. Come on. Um, on offense, Jacob Sexton. Yep. Came in when Guyton was out. Um, remember the the knee surgery from a year ago against FSU. Um, he came in and didn't just didn't just like put a band-aid on it and get you through the season. He came in and played well against some tough football players, some good players. Came in and did a really good job. Um Stogner. Now, I know Stogner's numbers are not great as far as receiving, but Let's remember what Stogner did. Stogner transferred away from South Carolina. He came back to Oklahoma. And whenever he came back to Oklahoma, he found himself basically playing fullback. Running zone insert, running split zone, running counter. He was a, he was a glorified fullback uh, as a tight end. And it's not a natural position to play, especially for a guy that is as big as he is. If you look around at fullbacks, traditionally and currently, they're not 6'6", like Stogner. They're like six foot and below. Oh, yeah. Because low man wins, and you've got to have power, and you've got to have force. It's hard for those tall guys to get down and it's tough duty, man. You don't grow up as a tight end catching passes left and right and then all of a sudden find yourself as a battering ram and feel good about it. But Stogner did it every damn game the entire season, never complained about it, improved drastically with it, and became a, a very uh, serviceable, a good blocker, doing the things that he did whenever I know it's not what he wanted to do. So my hat's off to Stogner. Um, Now, defensively, because of kind of the way that we we played this year and, you know, some of the scheme things that Venables does, our interior guys did not get a whole lot of love and didn't get a whole lot of production. Um, I think part of that is maybe, you know, whenever we were struggling on the second level, and you know we had to we had to do some things to help those guys out, so we were moving and uh, stunning quite a bit up front. 
which isn't always a bad thing for the defensive line, but it can make it difficult on those guys to to produce a, a bunch of numbers. I thought Jordan Kelly, Isaiah Coe, and Dejon Terry all had really, really solid years and didn't get talked about very much at all. Really didn't. I mean, they got talked about way more as a group than individuals. Right. I mean, don't you feel like that? Yeah. Like they were all, no Jacob one, Lacey even, he, yeah. was, he was really good, especially on that goal line stand against Texas. No, no interior defensive line was talked about individually. It was just kind of like you, you lump all those names in one. Yeah, mm-hmm. they all played pretty well. Or, oh, the defensive line didn't play well until Brent had to tell us, nah, that wasn't the case. It was the linebackers in the BYU game. Fair right. point. Yep. Uh, let, let me just get to a few more submissions here. Grayson Holton from the 405 yep. started making pros, uh, progress at the end of the year. Here's a Jacoby Johnson was really good. Here's mm-hmm. a McCade Mattire uh, from the 918s. More Caden Greens. So we got about 20 players mentioned on this segment. Most of those guys yeah, being young good. players. Uh, not bad. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I think that there's uh, there's plenty of guys that under the radar had really solid seasons and – you don't have a chance to cap it off. Some of them, perhaps, with uh, with something spectacular. Maybe that would be awesome. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hit some things that caught my eye next. Sooner football talk lives here. This is the ref. There are trucks. Then there's the truck. GMC Sierra with available features like the V8 engine, the ultimate luxury interior, and of course, the available world's first six-function multi-pro tailgate. GMC Sierra. For these disasters, we'll make sure we're safe. And it's the best way to protect that legacy. Protect your legacy. Visit ready.gov forward slash plan for the tools and tips you need to start your emergency preparedness plan today. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. It's what caught Teddy's eye, brought to you by Yala Gosney Law. When you call a law firm, do you want to actually talk to a lawyer at Yala? Gosney Law Communication is a priority. 405-800-8080. 405-800-8080. That's Yala Gosney Law. Let's get to it. Story number one is. Uh, well, the first thing I'm going with is the, uh, the game Sunday between the Eagles and the Cowboys. Is it me or has Philadelphia played the most difficult schedule in NFL history? Man, it's it like, feels like every single weekend they have like a huge game. It's been brutal. It, it's felt like it's been like Cowboys at home, Bills at home, Niners at home, at Dallas. I know it hasn't been exactly like that, but that's what the past – like four or five games. I, I don't know. Probably not that far off. I know the the Bills and Niners were on back to back weeks. They played the Cowboys somewhat recently. Um, they played the Chiefs at one point in Kansas City. In there too. It's it's been brutal, man. Brutal. Yeah. Um, now this whole other one is just kind of a weird story. Um, Sean McDermott, head football coach for the Buffalo Bills, is kind of under some fire. Uh, about some comments around 9-11, and here's kind of what it is. McDermott told players in a speech to come together 
and used the terrorists on 9-11 as an example, asking players in the room questions about how the attacks were executed and referencing the hijackers getting on the same page. Multiple players who were with the team at the time confirmed the story. Um, It's kind of a weird story. I I guess I don't know the context of how he – how he used it it seems like a like a really weird way yeah, to just stay away from that topic is what i would say right um i don't know but he's had some people come out and support him and what kind of person he is uh, felt like this whole thing's an attack on his character and uh, he says at the end of the day i know who i am uh, i know how i handle myself as i've said humbly i'm not without flaws um, but i try to do things the right way and win the right way so I, I don't know. I just I thought that was kind of a weird story. And from time to time, we hear some right, some weird things like this with coaches or people referencing something bad or weird. And maybe in their mind, they're trying to spin it in a yeah, just in a, stay in a away weird way. All that you man. just got to stay away from it. Right. It's it's That's never it's never going to be okay to to, to reference that right. that day or, or that situation or anything. Yeah, um, you're the NBA guy on, on this show. Yeah, not that's me. right. Well, it's not the NBA, but NBA connections. Bronny James, which I'm glad that he's been able to recover from his uh, the situation that happened a few months ago and play in his first college basketball game on Sunday. Will nice. you be watching Bronny James and USC take on Long Beach State? No. Yeah. No. Catch the I highlights, maybe was, see uh, if he played or not. That's about it. Yeah, I noticed he dodged uh, the th- uh, the Thunder. He dodged the uh, the Sooners a couple weeks ago. Where was he then? Huh? Didn't want to make the debut against the Sooners. Probably not. Marvin Harrison Jr. is undecided on the NFL draft. Now there was a story a few days ago of well, Ohio State is ready to offer NIL packages for Marvin Harrison Jr. and someone else. That would rival, it would be comparable to what they would make their first year in the NFL. And that's nice. I feel like we hear about this every single year. Come on. Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be in the NFL next year. And he's going to be a first-round pick. Yeah. It is interesting that he's saying he hasn't made up his mind yet. I don't know. I, you would think that it's been cooked in with him and – I don't, maybe he has already made up his mind and he's just waiting for the right time to to release a statement or whatever, but I don't know. It's interesting, at least, I guess. Uh, okay, so we mentioned this one earlier, but it did catch my eye. Arizona's best player will not play in the Alamo Bowl. Their offensive yeah. tackle, Jordan Morgan, he's going to be a first-round pick at left tackle. Uh, how big of a deal is this for Arizona and, I guess, for OU that Jordan Morgan is opting out of the bowl game and heading to the NFL draft? Well, I guess, honestly, it's unknown because it all depends on how good his backup is, you know? Um, like, for example, our tackle, who we thought – at one point was was going to be a first-round type of pick, goes down, and Sexton comes out there and plays uh, really solid, gives you awesome performance there. Now, my guess is Arizona not as deep as Oklahoma is, especially on some of the line of scrimmage stuff. So it may be huge, but it may be, you know, not not as big of a deal. 
I, I, it's kind of hard to hard to know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It will be a factor, though. Texas received only 13,000 tickets for the Sugar Bowl matchup against Washington. 13,000 yeah. tickets for their allotment. But Texas had 52,000 ticket requests, 32,000 from season ticket holders, 20,000 from students. So Texas is going to bring a lot of fans down to the Sugar Bowl to, to see him lose to Michael Penix Jr. in Washington. They'll have the majority of the stadium only to see the Huskies advance to the national championship. How beautiful. What do you think the I, – I, I, obviously, much closer to Texas. Kind of got the raw end of that deal. Um, Washington did. But I imagine there's probably a I, – I don't know – you think Washington will travel? They'll probably travel really well, right? Yeah. But that type of game for a team that's not always in it? But it's just, it's clearly the smallest fan base in the four-team playoff. I mean, yes. they, they have some diehards, sure. And they don't have a super small fan base. I mean, but it's just, they're going to be overwhelmed in the crowd for, for that game. They just don't have yeah. the overall. And, and Texas, too, like, it's a dream scenario for them if they were to make the championship game. It's, you Houston. know, yeah, I mean, I'm sure they can drive to New Orleans. It's not that far away, but you can sink a whole lot of money into that trip and travel and just drive down to Houston. Hell, a lot of Texas fans live in Houston. So it's it's, it's just a good situation for Texas fans to make both games. Yeah. Um, but they'll only play one. You have to leave today to get to – the stadium for the national championship game in January because of the traffic in Houston. Correct. So yeah, uh-huh. get on the road early right now. That is that is accurate. Uh, we, we're uh, getting close to the college football awards show, and ESPN has their predictions who's going to win some of the major awards. Uh, yeah. Blitnikoff, Marvin Harrison Jr. Yes. Let me guess on these. Okay. Blitnikoff. Marvin Harrison Jr. One for one. Uh, Jim Thorpe Award. Um, the kid from Georgia. No, Billy Bowman. They say he's going to win it. No, <laughs> Ma- yeah, Malachi Starks, the, uh, the 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 Georgia defensive back. And I only wrote down one more: the Doak Walker Award. Uh, the Doak Walker Award. That's a running back award. Yeah. I mean, I'm starting to think maybe the kid from Missouri or Corum from Michigan. Ollie Gordon is who they think will win it. Oh, God, what am I, idiot? Of course it's yes. Ollie Gordon. Ah, oh, so stupid. Lewis, uh, Kip Lewis played so well in Bedlam that Teddy doesn't even remember Ollie Gordon. Unbelievable. That's right. That's Stuffed all. on a fourth and one turnover. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap up hour number two next. Nobody covers your team like the ref. If it's Sooner News and talk you want, it's right here all season long. This is your home for Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Sports Network, KREF.com, and worldwide on the KREF app. Family. Visit Armstrong.bank, member FDIC. Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers bringing you the sour of the rush. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. ESPN had an interesting ranking of the 40 teams that have played in the college football playoff era. They ranked them from the worst team at number 40 
that would be 2015 Michigan State all the way to number one. Now, here's where what, – what, which OU team do you think was ranked the highest, by the way, out of 2019, 2018, 2015, and 2017? Um, probably 2017. Yeah, that's right. 2019 was ranked at 39, the second-worst team in the playoff era. Um, the 2018 team was ranked 34. The 2015 team was ranked 33. And the 2017 team was ranked number 24. Highest team OU had ranked. I don't know about that. I, I know the score, what the score said in that LSU game, but, man, that that may be I, – I, I don't know if any college football team in history – could be LSU whenever they were at their best that year. Okay. And they were at their best. You know what I'm saying? So do you I mean, do you I, think LSU, 2019 LSU, is the best team in the playoff era? I I do. It, do you think it's LSU or do you think it's someone else? I'm just trying to think back. 14, yes. They're better than everyone in 15. Uh... 16, I don't remember very much. They were better than everyone in 17. Here's really the 18, one. 18, Alabama was – who won it in 18? Did Alabama win it or uh, – Clemson won it in 18. They That's the game where Clemson just wrecked Alabama in the championship okay. game with Trevor Lawrence as a, as a freshman. The, the one that you really got to decide between, and here's where ESPN has their 1-2, is that Bama 2020 team. With Devontae Smith when he won the Heisman, yeah. Mac Jones, and Najee Harris all on offense. Yeah. I think 2019 LSU was better than that team. ESPN says too. 2020 Alabama is the best team in the playoff era. I but don't know, I'll man. put that 2019 LSU team up against, Dude. honestly, man, any team in my lifetime, which hurts to say. I, I'm sorry, but that that Alabama team was great. But, dude, I was looking at it. Joe Burrow, I know he played in more games up to this point, but he threw for 1,800 yards more than Jaden Daniels threw for this year. <laughs> now, Jaden Daniels is a 1,000-yard rusher over, but but still, right. yeah. I mean, I look, I, and I'm sure Alabama had a really good defense in 2020. I don't care. We've seen what Joe Burrow has done in the NFL. Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Clyde Edwards-Alaire was a first-round pick. Thad Ma, I mean, it's just, it's stupid. It's ridiculous. I would love and to the, see 2019 yeah. LSU and that 01 Miami team. That'd be sweet. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it depends on the day and, and have to look at it and see some of the matchups, but I don't know, man. That LSU team was incredible. But I don't know. that. And not that, fair that that, that, that LSU team that. got to play in the Superdome. That should have been the one LSU team that had to play away from New Orleans for a national championship. Not, not that yeah. one. Now, give me some of the teams that were around. Maybe we'll have to do this next yeah, hour. Yeah. But I'd like to see some teams that were around that 19 team because I know they aren't that low. They should not be that low. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. we got the final hour here from Riverwind next.
If you're looking for a no-appointment-needed doctor's visit, head to Norman Regional's Walk-In. You're listening to the home of Sooner fans, KREF, Norman, Oklahoma, and streaming live on the KREF app. The 